Hello and welcome to the Lowdown, an insider's look at stories touching our lives here on Cape Cod and beyond. My name is Ira Wood, and you're listening to us live today on WOMR 92.1 FM Provincetown, WFMR 91.3 FM Orleans, and streaming worldwide on WOMR.org. In the middle of the last century, roughly from the 30s through the 80s, the Outer Cape was a summer enclave for a dynamic group of international refugees, architects, designers, and artists who fled to America to escape Nazi persecution. They gathered here not only to enjoy the natural world, but to create a community that celebrated intellectual freedom. The homes they built were often experiments in structural creativity, economic design, and living in tune with the natural world. Many of our listeners are familiar with the Cape Cod Modern House Trust, which has partnered with the National Seashore in order to preserve and renovate a number of these historic structures and repurpose them as learning tools for scholars, inspiration for emerging artists, and examples of the Cape's unique history. Today we're talking about the most ambitious project yet, the purchase and renovation of the home of Marcel Breuer, one of the most influential and innovative architect designers of the 20th century. Joining me to talk about the project is Peter McMahon, founding director of the Cape Cod Modern House Trust. Peter, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. So let's talk about <clears throat> Breuer. To many listeners, um, the name of a 20th century architect who passed away 40 years ago, he might be totally unknown, but I guarantee that almost everyone has experienced his work. Tell us how mm -hmm. and who Breuer was. So uh, Breuer, born in a provincial Hungarian town of Pesh, um, came to the Bauhaus at 18, the, the sort of crucible of modernism in Germany, which was the Bauhaus School, started in Weimar um, in 1919, um, then moved to Dessau, and then finally to, to Berlin. But um, <clears throat> Breuer um, came as a, as, a, as a young person. He was the youngest student there. And he was very precocious. He was, um, before too long, master of the furniture-making shop. And he invented tubular steel furniture based on his fascination with bicycle bicycle handlebars and um, you know that kind of manufacturing. So modernism was, especially at the Bauhaus, was this attempt to take like new technology and mass production and reconcile it with the traditions of handcrafts, of weaving and metalwork and um, you know, really pre-industrial and industrial and sort of to combine them. Um, Breuer's work is very clear. You, you often have this this tubular chrome steel, which is totally normal today, but was was very radical in this. Um, I mean, these people grew up in the in the end of the Victorian era, where chairs were giant upholstered <laughs> things with with fringe and doilies, and to have this thing that's just kind of it's almost like a conceptual chair. It's it you know it's uh, cantilevered. But usually the part that the human touches is either wicker or leather or something hand-worked that's natural. So he always had this duality. He was obsessed with dualities of light, heavy, rough, smooth, um, man-made, machine-made. And he, he always – you could always see those – that juxtaposition um, – so let me just tell people that if you happen to be next to a computer, look up the 
Vasily Chair. That's W-A-S-S-I-L-Y, named after Vasily Kandinsky. Kandinsky. Um, long story to that. And then another one named after his daughter. His daughter. But these Breuer chairs are chairs that have been copied 20 million times. And um, some of them are, are originally licensed, but most of them have been copied. And they're in elementary schools. They're in cafeterias. They're all over. And they all came from Breuer. My favorite story was that he was in a bicycle accident and he fell over. And the bicycle handlebars didn't get broken. And that, like, started his head thinking hmm. about, like, how strong they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can find the Cheska chair, which is the most simple one, with usually has a wicker um, wicker seat and back. <clears throat> I mean, if you go to a gas station in Bangladesh, you'll see <laughs> one of those. It's a $10 knockoff, but, you know, it's it's probably the most reproduced chair in modern history. And Cheska was his daughter? Yeah. And Cheska actually is going to come up in the show because there are lots of pictures mm-hmm. of Cheska, and we're going to talk about those in a minute. So let's just talk about Breuer's house. He yeah. moved here following his mentor, who was Gropius. No, no. not exactly. So he was following Tremayev. So, um, you know, long story short, read my book if you want the whole <laughs> Sorry, but Cape Cod Modern. But um, so, you know, the, the Outer Cape was an art colony. And then in the th- late 30s, some American sort of self-taught architects came here. We call them the Brahmin Bohemians in the book. Um, and they just started homesteading in, in, in this these abandoned houses and empty land, you know, quote-unquote worthless land that was $20 an acre. And um, kind of just they were farming. They were painting. They were building, you know, buildings out of driftwood, um, kind of proto-hippies, you know. Um, and... Um, they had all been to Europe and seen early modern architecture, so they were kind of doing their own homemade version. So um, that started to attract the Europeans who were escaping World War II. Um, Tremayev was Russian. He was the first of the of the Europeans to come out. He bought it, bought some land. Breuer came to visit him um, in the early 40s and bought some land in the early 40s, 24 acres, which had frontage on five ponds. Um, probably for, I don't know, $500 or something. Um, so where is it now? Now the, the house, what we're talking about is is the house, and where does it exist? It's on Williams Pond. So um, when the park came in, he sold all but 4.2 acres of that land to the park, um, and he retained this, um, this lot and the house. <clears throat> so... He actually envisioned it as a cottage colony um, with all his friends on this 24 acres. Um, that never happened, but he did build three other versions of the house in Wellfleet. So this is a this is a summer cottage prototype. Um, he built this one in 48-49. Simultaneously, he built one for Juri Kepish, his close friend, also Hungarian artist, photographer, who was big at MIT. Um so he built two versions of this. The the builder was Ernie Rose, who died at over a hundred, I think. Um, yeah, he was a, he was a Truro selectman, and yeah. he was a um, well loved guy in, in Truro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, Breuer was 
Uh, Breuer had two main house types, and one of them was called the long house, which is a long rectangular box on piers with a cantilevered porch. And he actually, the first design is actually for this Wellfleet house, this Wellfleet prototype. Um, so he built the original one in 48, 49. Um, he had just split with Breuer and started his own practice and moved to New Canaan. So he was split with Jeremiah. No, with, with Gropius. Gropius. <laughs> so Gropius and Breuer formed an office. They taught together in at Harvard, and they had an office in, in Cambridge. Let me just tell yeah. people who, who we are. Um, if you're joining us, you're listening to The Lowdown with Ira Wood and WOMR. And today we're talking about buying, renovating, and repurposing the home of Marcel Breuer, one of the most innovative architect designers of the 20th century. My guest is Peter McMahon, who is the founding director of the Cape Cod Modern House Trust. So... The house, what kind of shape is it in? Mm -hmm. um, so the house, um, you know, has been, uh, let's just say, a lot of deferred maintenance. It's, um, it, has, it's, it needs a lot of um, superficial, you know, the, the top layer. It needs a roof. It needs some siding work. Um, it needs infrastructure. It needs a well, septic, new wiring, new plumbing. But structurally, it's very sound. And often, you know, we have restored four buildings that were owned by the Park Service. And often we get them when they're empty for 20 years and exposed to the weather. So this house is actually in much better shape than often we have gotten them in the past. Yeah. Breuer died in 1981. His mm -hmm. wife, Connie, died in, 19, in 2002. So what's been going on with the house for the mm -hmm. past 21 years? Um, well, Breuer's son, um, Tomasz, has been, um, has been staying there for part of each summer. But um, as with many houses, summer houses, it's kind of easy to let them, you know, you, they, there's not, it's not a very demanding um, program if you're only staying there for part of the summer. And, you know, often they kind of fall into disrepair. What's really interesting about the Breuer house, though, is the contents. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's a museum of Breuer and his entire world. So mm -hmm. tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, the, the building, the, the property and the site are important. The, well, the site is very important. It's 4.2 acres, very pristine. It's got two frontage on two ponds, and it's the, the headwater of the Herring River. So the southern border of the lot is the beginning of the Herring River. Um, and then the house, which is very important as a piece of architecture. And then the house contains Breuer's art, books, furniture, and this giant uh, trove of photographs taken by Tomas. Um, so the art includes pieces by Paul Clay, Calder, um, Zanti Shavinsky, Herbert Beyer, all these Bauhaus um, people. And a lot of this work was given to Breuer in the 20s when they were all still at the Bauhaus. So the artwork is this amazing um, sort of record of his friendships. None of this was bought. It was all given to him. And then the books, likewise, there's about 200 books we've removed that are almost all inscribed in Hungarian, German, French, um, and they're all from the authors to Breuer. So there are these also a record of all of his relationships with these people. Um, and then the furniture is very fascinating um, because there's there's his manufactured furniture, which is very famous, like the Vasily and Cheska chairs, and 
There's some isocon loungers and more rare pieces. But then there's this kind of lumberyard furniture he made for the house, really himself. Um, so he was a craftsman. He enjoyed working with his hands as well. Well, it's very simple. It's really just nailed together. Um, it's He wasn't really... Um, I wouldn't call it fine furniture making, but um, he was obsessed with with um, cement blocks as a sort of ready-made prefab brutalist unit of you know, and so he was he makes these amazing tables that's a sort of a column of cement blocks with a giant piece of slate, like a four hundred pound piece of slate on it, or a giant piece of of butcher block. Um, and then he made coffee tables that were just stacks of cement blocks. So um, he took like the most prosaic thing you can find and um, sort of, I don't know, saw the saw the beauty and utility in it. So the, it's very fascinating um, to just watch his thought process um, over the years of how he He's always changing things. He's always painting walls different colors. And then the Kepish house you can see is really – it's all original. It's still the original cabin. So it's tatami mats on a plywood floor. You can see the framing. Um, Breuer, as he got more established and um, spent more time in the house, kept adding – he added oak floors. He added birch plywood ceilings. So he was always working on the house, and and then he did two additions. There's an there's an addition of a studio in '61, and an apartment with a dark room in '68. Um, so, um, yeah. What's your plan for the house? So, so the purpose of Peter being here is actually to talk about the fact that they're, and we'll talk about how much they need. But he's trying to raise with the Cape Cod Modern House Trust enough money to buy the house preserve it, have scholars live in it, and have a, an, a continuation of your uh, program, which is bringing in artists from all over the world uh, to live in the house, to learn from the house, and not only architects and building people, but you also have actors, dancers, writers come in um, and spend time in the houses. Mm -hmm. So a really important question is... We know that, oh, I guess it was about a year and a half ago, a Breuer house in the suburbs of New York in Lawrence on Long Island had been torn down in the middle of the night by the people who had subsequently bought it from the original owners, whose name was Geller, uh, because, there, because there were people who did not want the house to be turned down, torn down, and they, their plan was to tear down the house and build a tennis court. Why is it important to the area and to architectural history to keep this house intact? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, in other countries, they have a hard time understanding um, <laughs> the way we do things because in England or any other European country, this building would be, you know, protected and listed and you wouldn't be able to touch it. Um, <clears throat> in this country, um, you know, it's it's uh, property rights, you know, are, are paramount. So, um, yeah, the Geller House was demolished. Um, we're losing about one significant modern house per year, I think, out here. It's it's not as bad as the Hamptons where someone just tore down a George Nelson house and paid $60 million for the lot and tore down the building. So we're not there yet. But, um, yeah, um, so the house um, is for sale. 
Um, I mean, to us, we are under contract. We have a year to raise the money. It's $2 million. We're trying to raise $1.2 or $1.4. We are basically approved for a mortgage for a million, so we're trying to raise a million, $1.2 really. And then we are asking the Wellfleet CPA for money for the restoration. Community Preservation Act. Yeah. yeah. So we have until May 2024 to do that. And um, that's our plan. And then we would have a year to do the restoration. There's a lot of curatorial decisions to make about about the restoration, like what is patina, what is damage. You know, it's it's very intact, and the contents are very intact, but it needs a lot of work. And then the idea um, would be to insulate it and to introduce heat pumps so that there would be heating, cooling, and and dehumidification, which is very important for textiles and things that are in the building. Um, and then um, we it's eligible for the um, for the uh, national register, and that process is already in. It's already passed the state, and it's gone to the federal uh, approval for being on the national register. So our plan is really to kind of expand our programming in that house. There are sort of three separate apartments, and it would be ideal for three scholars to be in there at once. And we're in talks with a few universities about um, the programming. Um, UMass has a program called Public History, which includes historic preservation, archiving, habitat restoration, and interpretation of historic sites. So that's kind of like what we do. And um, so it would be kind of ideal for three PhD or postdoc or a professor and two students um, to do the entire fall semester. So it would be mid-September to mid-December and, um, you know, when the weather is still good. And then um, we would do other programming around the year. Do you have any institutional partners? I know Breuer's papers are um, with Syracuse University. Mm -hmm. So are there other universities who are interested in helping you to buy the house? Um, no, we haven't. Um, I mean, we are we have a full-time grant writer, and we are applying for many, many grants. And then we've already done quite a bit of individual fundraising. Um, we have partnerships um, with some institutions, you know, the um, we've done a lot of projects with Harvard and we and Wentworth Institute. And Roger Williams, and um, and then we have an ongoing um, relationship with Nauset High School, where they have an architecture program. So every year we have two paid interns, and then um, you know usually once a, once per year we do a semester long project with those kids. Um, we haven't really gotten funding from institutions, and then we we work a lot with Docomoma, which is an international uh, modernism preservation group. Let me tell people what we're doing, who we are. Um, if you're joining us just now, you're listening to The Lowdown with Ira Wood, and today we're talking about the preservation of the home of Marcel Breuer, one of the most innovative architect designers of the 20th century, um, why it's important to do this, and how you can help. My guest is Peter McMahon, founding director of the Cape Cod Modern House Trust. Peter, if you visit the Modern Houses, and um, I have, and Forty years ago, I actually went to some parties there, mm -hmm. uh, as as a lot of us have, um, who lived here for a long time. You notice that there are things about the modern houses that have been copied and that are actually 
in many of the houses that we live in. I'm thinking about slate floors, um, these gigantic windows, slanted roofs, um, even using basement windows in the house. So what was the influence of these modern houses on American architecture? Mm -hmm. Well, Breuer in particular was very influential because he took, um, you know, the Bauhaus were, in the Bauhaus buildings in, in Europe are mostly white and masonry and sort of, you know, made of kind of, kind of cubic looking. Um, Breuer, Gropius, and that whole gang were very interested in New England vernacular, and Breuer developed this kind of new vernacular that was like untrained, uh, you know, exposed cedar, field stone, kind of informal, um, and that was very well suited to his American clients who were kind of, um, I don't know, you know, in the 50s and 60s. Um, very open to nature and um, especially in, in, on the Cape. These are really like little moon units that land in nature and on stilts and you could pick them up and there's no, no trace. They didn't landscape or have garages or anything like that. It's just like a little, like a bird blind, you know, for, for, cause for observing nature. Um, the hatch has, for instance, is 700 square feet, the whole building interior. It's got 700 square feet of deck too, but that's considered like a, a guest house nowadays or a, I don't know what. Um, so a lot of those buildings are very fascinating as far as like a different way to live, really showing you a different way to live, a whole different way of looking at the. And there were, and, and if you look at, at, at the information which you give on your, on your website, you'll see that local builders joined in mm-hmm. on, oh, yeah. in the party. I mean, and I'm, I'm thinking of Tremendously talented um, architects like um, Charlie Sander, mm-hmm. and then the guy who who built my house, a journeyman builder named Jack Schmidt. I mean, there were just mm-hmm. so many local people joining in, and there are so many houses that seem to be um, not imitations, but um, some so- somehow resemble what was going on in the modern. House movement. Yeah, well, in the late 50s and 60s, that did become just the default, you know, like um, big, great big areas of glass and flat roofs or gently pitched roofs and very open to nature. That just became, it was absorbed into the, you know, became the norm. There was a backlash against it sort of in the late 70s and 80s where everybody wanted to have a cape again, you know. Mm. And capes are fine, but, you know, they're, they're, Little windows, and they're really medieval. Uh, <laughs> it's a medieval British cottage, you know what I mean? And and there was this big swing back to the traditional, which I think is funny. And then you see like banks that look like a Cape, and the and the park's headquarters looks like a giant Cape Cod cottage. It's almost like it's sacrilege to do anything but that. Um, but the so anyway, what the the plan with the billing is really to do a work study fellowship there, and. They would work for the trust a few days a week doing the archiving. We have an enormous amount of archiving. I want to talk about the photos. Yes. Now, let me – we have about five or six minutes left. What Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about is the trove of photographs that Tomaj Breuer, Mm -hmm. son of Breuer, took and that exist like in negatives. And you Mm -hmm. tell me that there are thousands of them and they really are a kind of record of 
Cape history of that time. Yes. So um, Breuer built the last part of the building, which was the apartment with the dark room in um, in 68 for his son, um, who was a budding photographer. And then um, <clears throat> Tamash basically um, took, it seems like, I don't know, a roll of film a day <laughs> for, for, for a couple of decades there. And um, very, very talented photographer. I use some of his pictures, some of his portraits in my book, Cape Cod Modern. Um, he's very good at capturing people and they're, they're different, you know, there's, there's a great one of Zanti Chavinsky telling a story. They're very evocative, all black and white. Um, so what you have is a record of everyone who came to the house, parties, openings, bonfires, um, people digging clams, and um, how the house evolved over time. So the different additions, Breuer making furniture and moving it, where the art is hung, um, you know, how things are arranged. There's certain sculptures that were moved outside all year. So it's an in, for, invaluable from the point of view of preservation because you have, it's almost like somebody was there, you know, shooting film continuously of of the house and every in, in the life of the house. So that's, um, that's invaluable. And then there's a cast of characters who come through who are, who are amazing. Many of them just locally known, like Jack Hall and that whole crowd, Jack Phillips and all their family, Marty Hall, and and then internationally famous people who came to visit. And it's it's yeah. It's pretty fascinating because this is living history, but it's only about 50, 70 years mm-hmm. old. It's mm-hmm. it's relatively new and we can save it. Yeah. We can save all this. Yeah, and why is it important? It's like this is this house was the hub, you know. I mean, Breuer's the most famous of the architects. He did the Whitney Museum, the original Whitney, the UNESCO headquarters in Paris, and many other big international buildings as well as famous houses and furniture. But, um, you know, this house is kind of the, uh, you know, it's the big one, you know, as far as can modern people, houses go. Can people visit? I'm, I'm going to ask you two mm-hmm. questions yeah. left. And one is going to say, how can people see it or visit it or, or find out more? Mm-hmm. And the other is, how can they help? Well, go to our website, uh, Cape Cod Modern House Trust. There's a big red button at the top that says Save the Breuer House. That has a brochure with, with a lot of information. Also, some of the photographs, um, Tomasz's photographs um, from the house, and also our press release. Um, I think we're getting an article in the New York Times at the end of this week. So we've just kind of gone public <clears throat> with the press. Um, so uh, the house is still privately owned, and we and it and it will be for another year. Hopefully, we are successful. If we're not successful, the building will go to a realtor, and it will probably be sold for the land value because realtors consider the house basically worthless. So um, the in the town appraisal, the, you see the, the land and then the house is $200,000 or something because it's in disrepair. It's not heated. It's it's considered a, you know, a nuisance on that lot. So um, And then the art collection would be given to an art dealer and dispersed. So it would all be gone pretty quickly. Um, and that would be really be a shame. I mean, we're going through hyper-gentrification, obviously, and um, – you know, it's very easy for these things to get swept away. But this is our cultural history. And this house, I think, is the, is, it's the big one as far as 
uh, being a repository and the locus of this moment. Okay. My guest today has been Peter McMahon, founding director of the Cape Cod Modern House Trust. I want to thank Maddie Dunn for his tech work on the show. If you'd like to know more about the Breuer House Preservation Project, if you would like to help them succeed and learn all about the Cape Cod Modern House Trust, check out their website, ccmht.org. This is Ira Wood with the lowdown on preserving what's the best of Outer Cape history, one interview at a time. Bye for now. 